Welcome to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. We interview great guests who inspire you to overcome obstacles and achieve your goals. Be sure you visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, just relax as you listen. You can do something else, but be ready to make an important note. And let's get started. The title of this podcast is How to Design Your Future. We're going to be talking about nonprofit, podcasts, mindset, mental health, and my favorite, the self-help industry. Our guest is Travis Johnson the host of the Nonprofit Architect podcast. Travis shares his perspective as the former vice president of Books by Vets. By the way, Travis, I'm a veteran too. I was in the 82nd Airborne Division Infantry. I know you're a Navy man, so we got something in common there. Uh, Have you uh, ever been stationed in Norfolk or been in Norfolk, Virginia? I've been through there, yeah. I've never been stationed there, thank God. uh, when I was, I went to um, amphibious warfare school over in Little Creek, Virginia, in Norfolk there, mm-hmm. just by the Marines. And uh, one time uh, I was in a barroom brawl, the classic barroom brawl, us Army guys, us you, you Navy squids, excuse my pejorative. <laughs> and uh, it was the classic barroom brawl. And when I, when I had the, um, you know, that you've seen in countless movies, when I had the chair cracked over my back and I was lying on the floor, in the movies they get up and continue fighting. I, I never got up. They dragged me out of the bar and that was the end for me. <laughs> but I've since reconciled with the Navy. Good news for us. <laughs> Perfect. So maybe we can talk about some military stuff, but we'll see. That'll be will arise organically. He's also a board member at the Shine Foundation. What does Shine stand for, Travis? Start helping impacted neighborhoods everywhere. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. He's donated over $30,000. That's some serious charity right there. He's volunteered over 1,500 hours. Time is even more valuable than money. He's raised more than $500,000, which is nothing to shake a stick at. Wow, that is, wow, this is, you're really a charity-oriented guy. This is, this is awesome. He's helped start six nonprofits, six. He's an event coordinator and published author. Travis is currently serving as an active duty officer in the United States Navy, married with two children, and has moved 50 different places. Talk about seeing the world. Boy, wow, that's incredible. His humble beginnings include 36 moves before graduating high school at 17, six states, five foster homes, and surviving two murder attempts. Wow, you know, that beats my one murder attempt. But no, I'm not kidding. That's, that's wild, man. I really want to hear about that. Although this was very rough, there was always a person, group, or church willing to help him and his family. Now that he's in a position to give back, he's made it his mission to help the helpers. And with that, everyone, Travis. Hello, Travis. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. I, I, I always, well, you know, I'm biased towards veterans. You know, uh, I love the military. I'm very military oriented and I love the work that you do, you know, certain charity, but 
business and podcast. I mean, we got, we, we got a lot of similarity, my friend. Oh yeah, absolutely. So let's get right into it. Let's get into the, the most intriguing thing, right? I mean, this, what I've just said is intriguing, but let's get right into the murders. <laughs> How did you survive two murder attempts and manage to thrive? Well, I'm stronger and faster than the people that tried to kill me. That's super helpful. <laughs> that comes in handy. <laughs> super helpful. Yeah, it's uh, a product of the household I grew up in. Both my mom and sister have bipolar disorder. Mm. And through different circumstances, my sister chased me around the house with a butcher knife, lunging after me, trying to kill me. I don't remember how we got into that particular situation, but was happy to outrun her. And then I brought my mom to a facility to get her checked in at like two in the morning. And I woke up at three in the morning with her straddling me on a hospital bed with a pillow over my face, trying to kill me. That was your mother or your sister? Second one was mother. First one was sister. First, first time sister with the knife, second time mother with the pillow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, murder attempt is bad enough, but your own family. Oh my God. It's got to make it 10 times worse. Devil do anything you can to try to get rid of me, and he hasn't succeeded yet. So, uh, was there a reconciliation, or? Yeah, there was. There was reconciliation. I have a pretty decent relationship with my mother. That was the only moment, even though she had bipolar disorder with psychotic features. The two features being hallucinations, audio and visual, which is a yeah. schizophrenia diagnosis. But she had those two features, but. Other than that one incident, she's very timid, very mild, um, and then is actively working to make sure she has a better life, that she stays mentally well most days, that she does everything she can to, to try to do that. And then on the other hand, my sister is not interested in her diagnosis. It says everything else is everyone else's fault. I said, good luck getting everyone else to go to therapy to fix your problems. She's like, oh, they're not my problems. They're everybody else's problems. It's right. like, yeah, sure they are. So. There's no effort attempt or anything to reconcile. And uh, I'm perfectly happy with not having her in my life if that means my family's going to be safe and healthy. So, so you accepted the situation, you accepted what happened. And how did you manage to thrive, though, you know, in general, coming from that trauma? There's, there's a lot of choice in it. And I'm not talking about like when you're in the trauma, you know, there was definitely tons of cognitive behavioral therapy. I definitely saw therapists, but, you know, I had to get some, some stability in my life. And surprisingly, the Navy was part of that stability. The Navy, my wife, and my faith are the three things that really grounded me because they didn't care where I came from, what I had done, what had happened. As long as I did what I needed to do moving forward, they accepted me for who I was. And that goes a long way into building that kind of stability. The biggest thing really, though, is to make the choices necessary to create the life that you want to live. And I know you're a huge fan of that, Tony. Absolutely. I'm all about personal development, and I think you are, too. Uh, and so you made choices. Uh, first of all, how old were you when you went into the Navy? I was 18. I graduated 17. I took a year off to find myself when I found <laughs> that the real world sucked when you're Family is poor. You have a terrible family name. You've been in trouble with the law. Like there's not a lot you can do to climb out of that. If you stay in your own area, it's one of the very few times I would actually recommend someone to move, moving and leaving the small North Minnesota town that I was in 
allowed me to create my own world. No one knew my family. No one knew whether I was rich or poor. No one know, you know, unless you tell them, right? No one knows any of that stuff that happened to you. So it gives you the opportunity to create the life that you want to live. And the best part about it, especially being, you know, newly married, I think I married at 19 uh, and leaving away from home, it allows you to rely on your spouse instead of on your parents and your old friends. I know that we'll probably get into it more, but, you know, the people you hang around with the most is who you're going to behave like. So if you're behaving like people that are small-minded and go party on the weekend and do drugs, and you're going to be doing the same thing. If you hang out with people that go to the casino every weekend, you're going to be one of those people. If you hang out with people that go to bed early and eat well and go to the gym, you're going to be one of those people. And the circle you hang around with is going to dictate by and large the kind of person that you are. So changing the people I hung around with was huge, huge, huge into making my life successful. I know that my army experience was extremely influential upon me to this very moment. Uh, but I was a troubled young man. You know, I, I was an alcoholic. I got into punk rock then, which is the wrong place to get into punk rock, <laughs> to have a resentment for authority when you have an entire hierarchy built on authority and structure. <laughs> but there you go. And I, I'll, you know, and this is one of these memories that really is very poignant for me. I remember standing in front of my battalion commander uh, and I was looking at being court-martialed and I had a, a number of NCOs and officers testify in my behalf that I was just, a, you know, I was troubled, but I was an excellent soldier. And the, I, I even spoke to my old squad leader recently and he, and he, he, was, he became a lifer, an officer. And he said that I, I was the finest field soldier he ever served with. So that's, and so I really was, I really took soldiering very seriously, you know, but, and I took, you know, and I took the, the job very seriously and, and as a, as a patriot and as a, as the job of soldiering, which is, you know, which is to basically, you know, do what you're told <laughs> uh, and do it well. And with morality, you know, people think that, you know, I, I admit I was brainwashed in, in the military, but, you know, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't lack a moral compass, you know, um, you know, the, you know, you're not supposed to obey an illegal order, right? <laughs> you obey only legal orders. But uh, I remember my battalion commanders after all that at the conclusion and uh, he, you know, and I was looking at going to Fort Leavenworth, you know, army prison. Uh, cause I, I choked the sergeant <laughs> and, uh, he said that, you know, I, he looked at my records and all these, listened to all these other soldiers, these, uh, officers, sergeants, he says you, that I had an incredible potential and he was going to do me the biggest favor of my life and not court-martial me and let me get my honorable discharge. So I got my honorable discharge by the plaque of my teeth. And uh, I tell you, one of my, one of my great motivations and missions is to, is to prove that colonel right, prove him right, that he, the potential he saw in me as this troubled 21-year-old, you know, 22 years old, um, uh, is going to be the man that he thought I could be, that I know I could be. That's, that's a big drive for me. And, um, and it, not just that, but, you know, all my, my, the military itself, it was such a great cadre, such a, you know, band of brothers to you know you know it's like wow you know there, there's there's the team effort which is awesome right which you know all about and there's in the individual and the individual effort and, and i love them both so much you know to me that's where it's at you have a if you can have that both big and balanced you're unstoppable 
Oh, I know. I fully agree. There's, I'm glad that he gave you that opportunity. I spent most of my life trying to prove people wrong. You know, you're not going to amount to anything. You're not going to be no good. Your family's like this. You're going to be like this. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make it my own way. I'm going to do it the way I want it to. So many times I talked about the people you hang around with the most is you either reflect the people that you're around, right? Mm -hmm. You take the example that you're given and that's how you model your life or you reject it. Fortunately for me, I had the cognizant ability to reject the, most of the examples I was given growing up, even though I did misbehave a little bit. And even though I did get in some trouble with the law, by and large, I rejected most of the things that they showed me like, like, this doesn't make any damn sense. Like, <laughs> this is this is what you're doing. And this is what you're choosing. They're like, yeah. And even as a young man, I was like, no, that sounds terrible. Why would you do it that way? Uh, there's an old little tale that Zig Ziglar talks about. He said, you know, I had a good friend of mine. He was president of a Fortune 500 company, and his dad passed away. And I went to the funeral, and it turns out he had a twin, and I met the twin. And the twin said, you know, my dad passed away. He was an alcoholic. He's like, well, what are you doing with your life? He's like, oh, I'm an alcoholic. You see, my father was, and, and I have no choice. And he went back to his friend, and he's like, your dad was an alcoholic? He's like, yeah, I, I had to be successful. I had no choice but to reject the example that he gave. And the other brother had no chance, no choice, but to accept the example given. And that's the big secret is you do have the choice to accept or reject what you're shown. Absolutely. Most people think that they don't have a choice in a lot of situations when they actually do. And, and not having a choice is just a choice, <laughs> right? And, and it, it is a choice. Not always. They're not you know. easy choices. <laughs> right. They're not, they're, they're simple choices, but they're not always easy. I, it was an easy choice to make the decision to leave the area and, and join the military. It wasn't simple, right? There's tons of paperwork. There's a physical, they do a background check. Surprise. They found some things. Um, it wasn't simple to get it done, but it was an easy choice to make because there's no chance that my life would be any good if I stayed in that situation. You know, after my mom tried to kill me, uh, about a year later, I ended up moving out of my house and moving in with my grandmother full time. And I looked at my mom and said, like, if you love me at all, in the slightest, you're going to let me do this. And you're not going to say nothing about it. And she didn't. She didn't say nothing about it. She let me move out. I got some stability in my life and started making some better choices and was able to make my own way for myself. But that wouldn't have happened if I would have had, had to have been forced to stay in the house with her. How long have you been in the Navy? 21 years wow. and a number of months. Wow. I am less than two months from retirement. Wow. Fantastic. Congratulations, sir. And what's your job? Uh, currently, it's Naval Flight Officer. I fly for the Navy, not a pilot, back-end guy, but still an officer, mission commander on a half-a-billion-dollar nuclear command and control platform. I did do 11 years enlisted. I worked on ejection seats and various auxiliary systems on aircraft, F-18s and the E-6B, taught wow. school a couple of times, went to Bahrain for a year, ran the command center out there, and looking forward to retirement, I started growing the beard in a little early, if you're watching the show here. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right, let's take a quick moment to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Travis Johnson. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. What if you could get the results of being coached without a human coach? What if a computer could coach you? Visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O.io 
where you can get coached without scrutiny, judgment, or pressure. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza, and we're with Travis Johnson. We just talked about the preliminary stuff or the earliest stuff now. Now we're going to get into the, uh, the journey of change, the personal development of Travis. Well, first thing, what book started your journey of change? Uh, other, other than the Bible, which I'm sure a lot of people say is their catalyst of change, the one that really changed my mindset and how I viewed everything around me was the four-hour work week by Tim Harris. Are you familiar? No, no. I, no, I have not. The four-hour work week walks you through what business is and how to not find the loophole per se, but realize that there really isn't any rules. You know, he walks through a story about how he became uh, the kickboxing champion in China with from going from no experience to four months later being the champion. That's Tim Ferriss? Tim Ferriss. Yeah. F-E-R-R-I-S-S. Yeah, certainly. Ferriss. Yeah, he, um, he exploited a rule that says if you could push the opponent out of the ring three times in a match, they'd declare you the winner. So with no form, no prep, no anything else, and then he used uh, weight cutting technique to get into a lower weight class. You know, the day before, then he'd plump up. So he's got like 40 pounds on these guys. He's got no technique, and his only goal is to get them out of the ring. They've later, you know, since changed the rule, but understanding that really, like, life doesn't have to be what you've been shown. Right. And he thought out of the box. Yeah, he thought outside the box. Like, I've been podcasting for a couple of years. And I'm still in the military. I'm still creating this life and this business and all that stuff for me because the military isn't the only part of my day. I also have a family that I keep and raise and, and love and, uh, you know, finish my master's earlier this year. Like there's so many opportunities out there and you can just go and collect your military paycheck and get enough to drink on the weekend, or you can make a whole life for yourself, depending on how you want to do it. And you're well on your way, man. So all right, so you're on this. Your whole life has been really sounds to me like a, a real, a true personal development, and I really I love that. Uh, and you're, you know, you you mentioned Zig Ziglar and and you're into and Ferris, and so you're into self help, personal development, which is awesome. But what single change had the most impact on your trajectory? The most, the biggest impact on me. I, I had been in the military for a few years. I, I went from E one to E six in seven years. And someone checked into my command and I thought he was jackass running his mouth, had no respect for authority. And then someone said, Hey, Travis, he's just like you. And I was like, what? Like, I thought I was being funny. You know, I thought the little quips and things I say, and I got the, the humor going and people were laughing and enjoying it. I thought that that you know meant we were friends and all this and that turns out everyone else thought I was a big jackass because even though I was doing my job and I was mentoring people like it's really hard to stay serious professional all the time like if I'm not doing something specifically like I like to keep it as light as possible really enjoy it but a lot of people don't appreciate that and I didn't realize how they all viewed me was the way I was viewing this guy and I really took a hard examination of myself and what I was doing is even though I was doing good things, I didn't have anyone's respect. And I got rid of the people I was hanging around with. I said, who is taking care of their career? Who's taking care of their faith? Who's taking care of their family? Who's taking care of their education? And those are the people that I started 
modeling myself after, not copying them, but modeling like what part of their life, what is it that they're doing that's working so well for them when they talk the senior people listen, they take notes and then they take action. Like what is it about what they're doing that I'm not doing? So over the next couple of weeks, you know, someone would say something to give me an opening to walk in there and have some kind of funny thing to say. And then the whole room would be looking at me like waiting for me to say something. And I had nothing to say because even though, even though I was still, you know, doing better things, I was still a jackass on the inside and I didn't know what to say. So the best thing I could do was just not say anything. There's a, a friend of mine that gave me a little kind of moniker, like does something need to be said? Does something need to be said right now? And does something need to be said right now by me? And if all those were true, then I should say something. Go ahead and it. The biggest, the biggest thing really is, especially in aviation is safety. Like safety is a now kind of thing. There's no <laughs> waiting on safety. If someone's going to get hurt or, you know, some terrible thing is going to happen, like you have to speak up right away. But I noticed a lot of times that things didn't need to be said. And even if they did need to be said right now, it didn't have to necessarily be me. And it allowed me to kind of accept the dead air in the room and not have to feel the need to fill it. Like somehow if I wasn't performing on the stage that I wouldn't be accepted. And when I changed that aspect about me and I changed the people who I was hanging around with, I went from, although I was doing well in my career, I really didn't have any awards. I went from having no awards to having a mid-tour award. I got my master training specialist. I became the head of that program and I got another award. And then I got accepted to an officer commissioning program all within the next like eight months from that decision because they could see real change and real growth in me. And they understood that even though I didn't get it right all the time, I wasn't as professional as I probably could be. They realized that this was something that was really working on really something I was focused on obtaining whether or not, you know, how, how soon I would attain that, you know, no one knew, but my first application for an officer program, they said, yes, and I got accepted and went to school full-time, got my undergrad, then went to flight school, got my wings and all those things. So you know, when I was in the paratroopers, which is, you know, we work with aviation, obviously, they're the ones who drop us. Uh, there was a slogan that I remember reading or hearing quite a number of times. And it was that in the sea, on the sea, and you're in the Navy, uh, you're allowed one mistake. In the air, you're allowed none. <laughs> you know, so and that was never lost on me, man, because it was I took it very, very seriously. And, you know, when you're dealing with aviation or weapons it's you know you've got you know i i got an, i got out of the army in 1987 okay i'm a lot older than you uh and um I, many times i've been asked you know what you know people thinking about joining the military do i have any advice i always have the same one little piece of advice and that is pay attention pay attention i always tell them, that's the only thing i tell them pay attention <laughs> that is the critical thing <laughs> so I also like to mention the Bible. Yeah, I studied the Bible too many times. And uh, I remember there was a period where I was really immersed in it. And one of the things that I really, the thing I got most out of it in that period, and I really, really, really needed this, was to forgive because I had so many grudges, so such a chip on my soul, on my shoulder about for so many people, indeed for the world itself. And I just learned to really, I really delved very deeply into forgiveness. And that was a critical thing in my life. And I just... And, you know, for myself, I'm the, I'm the greatest beneficiary of my own forgiveness. <laughs> so that was, that was great. And, you know, we don't want to get religious, 
but I will say that Jesus Christ is a friend of mine. <laughs> uh, and I also like to mention, you talked about, you know, ha uh, having peers that you could model or maybe even a mentor. When I created Proficio, which is a, the world's first, well, it's a virtual co coaching program and the world's first true self-help coach. I included that, having people that you could model or be mentored by, because that is a critical thing. You, you, and that's been a pervasive part of your message about be, surrounding yourself with the kind of people that you want to be like, or, or can that the kind of peers that you want. That is a critical thing because no, no man is an island, and we don't exist in a vacuum. We can't help but being influenced by others. And if we really are deliberate by who we're influenced by, we're, we're way ahead of the game. Yeah, if if I'm going to accomplish something. I only know things based on my experience, right? That's just inherent. When you read books or listen to podcasts, you get to hear someone's expertise. Now, books, that's like the biggest life hack that people don't talk about. Someone's expertise, something they've been doing for 10, 20, 30 years that they've dedicated their life to, they put it in a bite-size, you know, snackable thing that you can read in five or 10 days. And you can download 40 years of the experience. They walk you through the framework. They give you the how-to, the thing to avoid the problems that they encountered. How wise are you to read someone else's work on something that you care about, something that you're dedicated to, and avoid all of their problems? How great would that be? And then the life hack, the really big one, and I know you know this, is like hosting your own show. Whoever you have come on, like, see... Tony's smiling, right? Because he knows that he's on the good the good seat right now because he's the host. He just got to ask questions. It's on the guest. It's on me right now to come up with all the answers, right? You're all doing good. Things. You're doing real good. <laughs> yeah, doing good. Yeah. But I use the same thing on my show. I get on people like Bob Berg and Steve Sims and Alan Stein Jr. And I just got to interview Stephen King. And I get to ask them. Stephen King, the author? Whatever I want to ask them. I don't have to pay $30,000 for coaching. I don't have to sign up for their master class. I bring them on the show. I can ask them whatever I want to. Oh my goodness. It's, it's so great. I don't know how everyone's not doing this. So, so I, is, is it safe to say this is why podcasting is your medium of choice? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the, the amount of like, every time you do an interview, I love the interview. I gain your audience and you gain access to my audience. It's awesome. I love it. Because there's only so much I can do on my own, right? Like, yeah. no, like Travis, oh, he's talking to himself again, you know? But you access their audience. Every time I interview someone, I learn so much. Like my learning curve on my own, and my learning curve reading, but my, my learning curve podcasting is just through the roof. Uh, each and every person I get to talk to is just fantastic. You get another story, another perspective. You learn a little bit of something that you didn't know about yourself. Each and every time you interview somebody new, it reinforces the things that you love and that you talk about and that you try to do. It's great for reminders and everything else. And if you're in any kind of position or you're trying to make change in this world, you can interview your local politicians, your mayor, your city council, your governor, your state representatives, your federal representatives. You get them on your show, give them the access to your audience. And then you get to talk to them about whatever their thing is. Then you have them on record talking about the thing that you care about. And then when they go to push that bill or something comes up and you're the expert, you'd be like, who is that guy? Who's that show I interviewed? They're the expert. Then they bring you into the fold to help write legislation. You don't even have to get, even get elected. 
podcasting is where it's at. I totally love it. I mean, and you know, you can, whenever you're doing an activity that you don't have to concentrate on, a podcast is one of the one of the few things that I turn to. You know, if it's not deliberate audio book, it's a podcast. You know, mm-hmm. and I certain and I have a number of interests, and there there's and there's so many different choices in that category. It's just fantastic. Oh yeah, you mentioned that it's it's called net no extra time. So when I'm commuting, when I'm working out, when I'm running errands, or when I'm cleaning the house, I've got someone in my ear teaching me something that I want to learn, something I want to know about, something I'm interested in. I don't have to take time away from the family to sit down and read a book. I don't have to have my eyes focused on a screen necessarily. You can, you have the option. There's a lot of shows, mine included, that publish on YouTube. So if you want to see the visual, you can, but you don't have to. Exactly. How 95% great is it? of my audience does not, doesn't listen, but some yeah. people want to see. Oh, and by the way, if you want to see how Travis and I look, we're two good looking guys. Take a peek on YouTube and you'll get it. <laughs> okay, let's take a quick moment to hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back with two good looking guys. One ex-military, one active, two months away from his his uh, career. And uh, <laughs> that's going to be awesome, man. All right, let's take a break. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Proficio. What is the key to wealth? It's not just making money, it's not wasting it, avoiding debt and costly mistakes. To get the wealth mindset, visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can start acting like a millionaire instead of just dreaming to be one. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza. We're with Travis Johnson. We're talking about a number of things. And now I want to get into, I mean, what Travis really does, charity and nonprofit stuff. Uh, First, uh, tell me about the Shine Foundation. So the Shine Foundation, they have a partnership with the criminal justice system, and they have a very extensive probation program where they keep nonviolent offenders out of prison. And then we clean up the city. We paint over graffiti. We clear out alleys. We find areas that, you know, you've got an old worn out mattress or a pile of garbage and then clean it up. And one of the best things about it is people don't repeat offend because it's hard labor a, and then if they were contributing to that, they don't do it anymore because they know what a pain it is to clean up. Well, one of the coolest things we do is we help students track hours. We don't have a direct program. It's not like they're working with the inmates or anything like that. But any student that goes out and volunteers will help keep track of that. And when they hit at least 100 hours, we provide them a certificate and a letter to college showing them all the great stuff that they've done. So Students for Shine is a huge program. That's great. And Now, now you're a board member on that, but uh, how long has that been around and how big is it? It's, it's just a board and the program runs with the money's raised for insurance and a few, a few little things and it runs itself. We've got a few partners that run it. We've talked to people in Rwanda and New York city and all over the planet about extending this program or creating one of their own so they can make their city a nicer place to live. Now, yeah, I I know your background in your earlier years, but how did you deliberately get into nonprofit? I, I tell you what, I got to a place because I was in scarcity for a long time. I was in survival mode for a long time. It wasn't until like my mid to late 20s where I looked around and I was like, you know, I kind of feel like this is home when you move as much as I do. 
you don't really know what that feeling is. You don't know that you don't have it until you have it. And you're like, what is this feeling? Yeah. And I finally felt like I was home. I finally felt like I had my act together. And then I looked around and I asked a friend of mine, I was like, how, how do people be part of a community? Because I had no idea. It's like, what do people in the community do? He's like, well, they give to nonprofits and they volunteer and they, you know, there's always a building with names on the side because people donate to help create the, whatever the thing is. It's like people in the community are people that are involved. And I finally felt like I was in a place where I could provide that kind of value. And I went out looking. I said, who do I need to meet? Who do I need to meet that's going to show me something like this or that I can get involved in? And right away from that first meeting, I met this gal named Miss Patty, who is raising money to create a memorial for her daughter who used to be on the Shine Foundation. And a few years ago, we got the memorial completed out on Crystal Lake here on the west side of Oklahoma City. It's not from Friday the 13th, not that Crystal Lake. But uh, we got that memorial erected and it was so cool to be a part of something. Uh, the lake that it was on when she was a kid, her father would take her there fishing and it was really ingrained as one of those core memories that kind of, you know, told her who she was as, as a person. And she had done a few things around the country and around the world. And she came back and she's like, mom, let's go to Crystal Lake. Like, let's go fishing. Like I did with dad. And she's like, baby, like, it's not the thing that you remember. And she's like, well, let's go anyway. And they drove out there and it became like the public dump. There was tires, there was broken beer bottles. The water was all nasty and like no one wanted to be there. It, it was just cast off and she made it her mission to get that thing cleaned up. And that was the precipice for starting the Shine Foundation. That's great. And they went on to not only clean up the lake, but clean up the rest of the city as well. When, as soon as I can with my business, you know, one of, one of the first thing, one of the first things we're going to do is we're going to set up a foundation. You know, I, I have really grand plans about nonprofit and foundations. I want to help humans. I want to help animals and I want to help the environment, those three areas. And, and, you know, a 501c nonprofit, you know, it's just, that's the way to go. You know, you can, and this, because, you know, obviously look, you're, you're you actually work for the government, even though you're a military man, that's still nonetheless a government employee. I was there and it's great when the government helps, but there's really nothing like it when the, when the, 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 the citizenry, you know, help themselves and look out for themselves. That's really, to me, that's the, the, the real essence of America. That's really what made America and makes it really, one of the things that really makes America shine. And it's part of our, our wonderful history is people looking out for others and doing the right thing. So a foundations are a way to go with that. And that's what I think, you know, and you know, I, my first course in Proficio, which, which is this virtual coaching program, is The Way to Wealth by Benjamin Franklin. There's all kinds of wealth, right? But of course, we, you know, we need money in, in modern society. It's very useful, right? <laughs> but, and you, and, but, but part of that wealth, you know, when you want to make money and have that wealth, you also want to have the wealth uh, of, of giving or, or there's, there's, there's all kinds of wealth. But giving back, I, I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to, you know, uh, self-deprecate myself, but you know, I, I, I don't, I don't lack any selfishness. Uh, but I got to tell you, when I, when I help people, 
it's one it's one one of the greatest feelings that i know is when i really help people it's just it's so rewarding it, it's a it's a wealth per se by itself it's 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 wealth i love it yeah there's a reason they say it's more blessed to give when you give it changes the way you interact with people with life with money with everything because we as humans we're selfish immediately people are like, Travis, we're not selfish. You are born selfish. You come into this world, you demand food, you demand milk, you demand to be changed. Like we are selfish. And it takes growth to understand that it's not all about us. Yep. Some people learn very early. Some people learn a little bit later and some people never learn. I grew up in trailer parks and foster homes. I moved 36 times before graduating high school at 17. That's more than two per year on average, 12 different schools. Like we didn't have a lot, but there was always some person, some nonprofit, some group willing to keep us sheltered, clothed, and fed. So it's my honor to help keep that tradition alive and help the helpers do it better. That's awesome. You, 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 uh, you live exactly what I just spoke about. That's fantastic. We're going to take our final break and then I'm going to come, we'll come back with the last segment with Travis Johnson. This episode of self-help coaching is brought to you by Proficio. Do you like learning by yourself or with others? What if you could do both at the same time? Visit www.proficio.io. That's proficio.io where you can learn in the environment that suits you as you choose. listening to the self-help coaching podcast with me your host tony petroza we're listening and talking with travis johnson this is the final segment so let's get into well we were, we're both in the military let's get into what what lessons I, I mentioned some of the things about me my experience in the military but what lessons did you take from the military travis well i learned that if you show up on time with a fresh haircut and a good-looking <laughs> uniform great attitude willing to contribute pretty much everything you want to do is easy and given to you. They do leadership, right? They tell you, they train you what to do to make sure you're capable of doing it. They tell you what they expect. And then they say, go do it. And then you go do it and you come back and they're like, wow, this guy actually did it. We should promote him. And then you're doing the thing and you realize, man, this sucks doing it alone. So you look at the other guys around and say, Hey, get off your butts. I'm going to train you how to do this. You get them qualified just to share the load so you're not doing it all alone. And they're like, wow, this guy's got leadership, and they promote him again. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how good-looking you are. Most of the stuff in life doesn't matter if you're not willing to show up day in and day out and do the work. Whatever that work is, might be physical, might be mental, might be emotional, it might be just the work of taking the risk to buy the thing that's going to create the income. If you're not doing, willing to do whatever that work is and be dedicated to getting it done, then it doesn't matter what you have because you're going to lose it. You're going to be without it before too long. But if you're willing to put in the work to do the time to do whatever the thing is, it's going to pay off. And if you want a guaranteed investment, invest in yourself. It always pays dividends. Absolutely. And I was just making... You know, again, I was working on my app, Proficio, this morning. I was making videos, which is part of the, what the app does for its user. And those videos were about showing up and doing the work, exactly what you just articulated, because that's the thing I need to do. You know, work, 
consistent work is really where it's at. That's the thing. You know, persistence is the key to success, but the, the, the more sporadic it is, the less successful you'll be. The more consistent you are, the more successful and the more rapid it will be. That is unequivocal. It's my, if I learned anything in life, that's it. Consistency is, is really where it's at. And showing up. If you show up, then, you know, you just got to figure out what to do. So you're halfway there, <laughs> right? Just showing up is you're halfway there. So great stuff. I love your message. I love what you're about, man. You are the man. Uh, do you have any final remarks for the audience? Yes. Whatever that thing is that you want to do, you have to decide to do it and create whatever it is. You have the chance and the opportunity to design what you want your life to look like. In the military, there's a lot of options kind of taken out for you. Be here, look like this, this time, this place, or else, right? But outside of that, you know, they're like, oh, you're going to go get another job when you retire? No, I don't want another job. I don't want to wake up, drive across town, go into some building I hate to create something I don't care about. Like, I, I don't, that's not me. That's not who I am. That's not what I want to do. They're like, well, what else is there? Ah, there's the key to figure out what it is that you want your day to look like, your average day, and then do what it takes to create that for yourself. In my case, I wanted to make sure I wanted to travel whenever I wanted to without restriction. And in order to do that, I have to create a business that pays me no matter where I'm located. So between podcasting and the guides and the courses and the things that I've created and the mastermind groups and the things that I host and all the other stuff that I do, I don't have to be in a specific location to do any of those things. So if I get hired to go speak in Rio and I get down there and I'm like, Rio is great. And I want to hang out for three weeks. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go ask my boss, Hey, can I go to Rio? Hey, can I stay there for three weeks? Three weeks. You're not going to do any work for three weeks. That's not what I want my life to be. And because I know how to create those things, that's what I'm spending my time doing. That's what I'm spending my time learning. That's the mastermind groups that I'm in. That's the mentors that I have. Things that I'm doing, everything is dedicated towards creating the income I need to have freedom of location. How many groups are you in, mastermind? I host four mastermind groups. Wow. By the way, if you don't know, Mastermind is a group of people that are like-minded, right? Often with a mutual goal, but they all benefit each other in the purpose, in synchronicity or in collaboration. That's awesome, man. So, And I also understand you have a free gift for the audience. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for reminding me. So, but this time last year, I got frustrated with like a podcast advertising course that I bought and it was not what I thought it was going to be. I was really frustrated and my friends challenged me to, to do something better. And I ended up spending five weeks to write the ultimate complete podcast guide. It covers why you should podcast, how to set it up, where to host it, how to decide between the hosting, what equipment you need to buy, how, when, why, how much you want to spend, how to market this thing, how to find great guests, how to be a great guest, how to monetize your guest appearances, a dozen ways to monetize your show, and then just templates galore how to do this how to do that with links to google forms and you can just copy the form and make it your own you don't have to recreate nothing you have to do any of the work and you're you're offering that for free hold on but wait (laughs) there's less Uh, (laughs) that thing has been turned into a course it's getting reviewed by forbes business school right now so when this course goes live you'll be able to take a podcasting course and get college credit for taking it yes That's how good this stuff is. 
But because I can't give it away for free, I've got this section. I've got the 15 reasons I think everyone needs to host their own podcast. Okay, that's good. You go to nonprofitarchitect.org, go over to the resources tab. There is the 15 reasons. There's a code there. It's free 99. It's written in the text there. If you forget to put in the code, you're out of dollar if you mess it up. So free if you put the code in. If not, it costs you a buck. Either way, it's not too bad of a deal. But check this out. Figure out all the reasons. If you're new to podcasting, you don't understand how great it is, even though Tony and I have been gushing about it for most of the episode. Go in there, check it out. Figure out how you can leverage podcasting as a platform of your choice for so many different avenues to help better your life. That course you described sounds awesome. I, that's why I was surprised. I was like, this can't be the free thing because that is a very, very valuable thing that you're talking about. That is awesome. Well, we'll talk about a uh, home study guide uh, course later, uh, but that is that sounds great because that is very useful, very, very out, uh, valuable. I, I encourage anyone to go to nonprofitarchitect.org, get the, uh, the free PDF that gives you reasons why, get you started on stuff and you can see if you want to get you know get travis's course or learn more about podcasting or nonprofit work because that sounds awesome travis you have been an excellent guest i respect you sir i thank you for your service very much well i think this is the beginning of a friendship we'll be in touch down the road and i thank you very much for coming on and i want to uh re uh repeat well refer my my mantra was which is that everyone is responsible for themselves, but we could all use a little help. And with that, Travis, would you like to say goodbye to the audience? Hey, thanks so much, Tony. And thank you everyone for listening in today. Thank you very much, Travis, for being here. It's been my pleasure. And uh, and Travis, all Travis' social media will be listed on his page at the website at selfhelpcoaching.com. Uh, I think he has a bunch. He gave me uh, the uh the link. I gave you a whole list. Yeah, we'll get a, we'll, we'll get all on that. We'll we'll get you all set up on our on our page. And I thank you very much for being a great interview. Thanks, Tony. Thank you for tuning in to the Self Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. Remember to visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Self-Help Coaching Podcast.